So this evening, before we come to our moments in prayer for healing, it's appropriate that we take a little look at what Paul says in the book of Ephesians that a Christian is. We continue to look at this. So on Ephesians chapter 2, somebody will shout out the page number for us. Peter, 1173, uh, Ephesians chapter 2. And I've been saying over and over again, non-stop, and uh, those of you who will be aware of if you've been more, more frequently will know that I think this is kind of like one of those Haynes manual. For those of you who know anything about cars or mending cars, a Haynes manual is one of those where you get the parts of a car and it's like, the, it's like a small explosion has gone off and all the parts are flying outwards and you can see where they all come out towards and then you can put them all back together. That's the plan, I think, how it comes apart and how it goes back together. And, as I read this from um, this book of Ephesians, I see that that's what Paul is doing in deconstructing and reconstructing the Christian faith in Jesus Christ. And it's really helpful for us to look at it because sometimes we can get so wrapped up in the history of Jesus and the stories of Jesus that we actually don't realize what it is that Jesus came to do and why. We, we, we can really think of the stories of how he did it. We can tell the stories of the nativity and the crucifixion and of the walking on the water and the feeding the 5,000, but we're not always quite sure what he has done and why he has done it. And that's what this book of Ephesians is really about. And so here we are, we're sort of wending our way really, really slowly through Ephesians. <laughs> we've been doing this for quite a while now, and we've got to chapter 2 and particularly verse 6 and 7, which are the two verses I'm going to try to look at in a very brief time, so we'll have some extended time to pray together. And so this is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Very simple. And so, and so just those first few phrases I'd like to look at initially. And God raised us up. So, um, and God raised us up with Christ. So we need to understand that um, uh, Despite some people and some people arguing about Jesus' resurrection, that he wasn't actually dead, that he was just unconscious, that actually that, that he was buried in the ground and there was still some breath and life in him. The actual evidence of the crucifixion, which you can study and look up, is that he was properly dead, that the spear in his side... Pr- and the blood and the water that poured from his heart and from his chest proved that he was actually properly dead, that he was taken by people who were experts in killing people, you know, centurions and soldiers and others who were experts in people having died, took him from where he was uh, from the cross and then he was carried by Joseph of Arimathea, as you know, down to his tomb where he was put in the tomb, properly dead, guarded by soldiers, a big stone raised and put in front of the door and then God raised him from the dead. It was God who sent the angels and the mighty power to move the stone. It was God who exerted his enormous power, spiritual power, physical power to raise Jesus from the dead. So Jesus was dead and he raised him from the dead to new life. And what Paul is trying to say is that we also 
were, have been properly dead in our sins. So last week, I was talking a little bit about some of the, the things that people take for illnesses. And so we talked a little bit about an asthma inhaler. And this week, I've had various arguments with people about those EpiPens that you need to use. When you're doing cubs, people keep bringing me bags with these EpiPens in. And I'm supposed to know what on earth to do with them. And there's all sorts of arguments about whether you push them in or you don't push them in or whatever. Um, and they talk about these EpiPens and other people have talked about paracetamol and some people have talked about metformin and other people have, ta have talked about um, um, uh, all sorts of other drugs. And last week we were talking a bit about these things. And we talked a lot about the cure, but we didn't speak very much about the actual problem. These were the antidote to some deeper sickness. And very often we speak about Jesus forgiving us our sin and giving us new life and making us alive. But we don't actually talk about what the actual problem is. And the actual problem is, as Paul says, is that we're far away from God. And that's why we needed to be drawn near. That actually we were in darkness and that's why we needed light. That actually that we were, we were dead in our sin and, trans and transgressions. We had no connection with God. We had no real connection with other people. We had no real connection with ourselves. That we were in a place of brokenness. But actually Jesus be, uh, uh, has made us right with God and right with ourselves and right with others. That righteousness of God working itself out in relationships. Undoing the power of sin and darkness and death and bringing us to new life. The antidote is Jesus. But we don't often think about what the, actual, the problem is. And the problem is that we are dead in our transgressions. And just as Jesus was dead in the tomb and God had to exist exert his great power to raise him from death. So we ourselves are dead in our sin and far away in our rebellion and in our darkness and far away from the good things that God has got for us. But actually, Paul says, if we are Christians, that God has raised us from that place of death into life, from that place of darkness to the place of light, from that place of being far away and aliens and strangers to that place of being children with God. That's what God has done. And he's exerted his great prep power in us to make those things happen. I know that there are many people who try to raise themselves up. They try all sorts of ways to make themselves feel better, to undo the, the consequences of their own sort of brokenness and lostness and blindness and stuckness. I know a lot, we talk a lot about social media, about people whose lives are really quite messy, only posting things which show their life is good. Look at how brilliant my life is. Look where I've been on holiday. Look at my tan. Look at my new haircut. Forget about all the mess in the background. I can present whatever I want people to see of myself. I will present myself as well. I will present myself as, um, as good in business. I will present all these things. But actually, deep down and underneath, we know that the reality isn't always that. We try to raise ourselves up. We will fight extra hard. We will do anything we can um, uh, to, uh, to get as many likes as we like or to boost our own ego. I was, I, I'm, I'm very much like this. On my, on my weaker times, I try to make myself feel better about myself sometimes and so I will perhaps go for a run and try to feel better about it try to beat my previous time I know somebody who used to run to quite a high standard but because of an injury and because of various factors now doesn't even want to run at all he loves running but doesn't want to run at all anymore because he can't beat that previous time because beating the previous time gave him a boost to his self-esteem 
so he doesn't even want to start doing that. I went for a run the other Friday evening. Um, I had some spare time, so I ran, and I was feeling very pleased with myself. I ran in a, basically a monsoon and a hurricane. I ran 15K, and I was very happy with myself. And when I'd finished, I pulled on my trousers over the top of my leggings, and I had to go and get one of the kids some McDonald's. And I walked into McDonald's, and I thought, I'll just sit here and wait for a minute. I've got a bit of time. And I sat there, and these, these, there was this, this table full of girls, and I thought, look at me, I've run 15K. They must, it must ooze off me how good I am. And I sat, I sat down at this table next to them, and they were all laughing, and they all moved away. And I thought, what are they all moved away for? I had to go and get something. I got up, went off to the car, and found that I'd left my belt wide open like that. I had my leggings on underneath and all of that stuff, and that, made me, that, 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 that deflated me straight away. Just took all my legs from under me and made me feel... But that's how it is, isn't it? We, I might be able to run a good time and make it feel better about myself today, but tomorrow I might fall in the canal. Who, who knows? You know? I might be able to lose a bit of weight, but tomorrow I might eat badly. You know, we try to raise ourselves. We try, to, we, try to, we try to undo the consequences of our sin, all the bad things we do, by outweighing it with some good things. I've been rude about Tim. Well, I haven't been rude about Tim, but I could easily be rude about Tim. But I'll but I make up for it by being nice to Fiona. Uh, you know, sometimes we try to outweigh our badness with our goodness. Do you know, do you know what I mean? I've, I've had a really bad day yesterday with that person and that person. And I thought badly about that and I, th- and, I, and I spoke badly about that person. But actually, I can help that old lady across the road and make next door a cup of tea or something. I can, I can outbalance. And we try to raise ourselves like that. And, and Paul says that's not how it works. It's not how it works. It is while we were still far away that God came and found us. And actually, it doesn't make any difference to, to, to Jesus, how far off you are, how lost you are, how broken you are, what a mess you are in, he's going to come and find you. He wants to come and find you. And he wants, to, he wants to come and rescue you from where you are and bring you close to him. He wants to come and find you in your darkness and bring light to you and bring you back. He's not expecting you to find light yourself in your darkness. He's going to bring you light. He's not going to come and f- help you to find, expect you to get some truth in your darkness. He's going to bring you truth. And he's going to come and he's going to rescue you. He raises us with Christ. I love that. Because actually, I am generally in myself unable to raise myself where I need to be to be in favor with God. And so it's really good news to be because Jesus has done everything that needs to be done. Does that sound like good news to you? I hope it does because it is supposed to. I can't raise myself. I wonder if you just turn Keeping your, if you've got more than one finger, keep one finger in there. But turn to the book of Isaiah and chapter 14. And here's a little story that the Bible commentators suggest is the nature of the devil, if you like. And this uh, it also um, speaks about um, a king. But he says this, in Isaiah chapter 14, I'm sorry I didn't tell you that, page number for that, Peter? 699, well done Peter. He said it in a really annoying and patronizing way. Um, So um, Isaiah 14 and verse 12, and so this is what biblical scholars say is, is, is the prophet who hears God Speaking about the devil, he says this, How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star. Morning star is, is, is the devil who um, Lucifer, an angel of light, whose who was responsibility was to lead worship in heaven. What a great gig that is. Almost as good as leading worship at NBC. Nearly as good as leading worship at New Wine. 
leading worship in heaven. But this is what it says. Only star, son of the dawn, you have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. Verse 13, you said in your heart, I, I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Pride and arrogance are the devil's culture. Superiority and um, patronization are his, his nature. Extravagance and indulgence and fame and, and, and pride and all those things are his currency. I'm reminded of Jesus when he had healed somebody and he'd been speaking. And the crowd said, he's wonderful. This Jesus is wonderful. Let's make him king. And it says that Jesus had to slip out of the crowd and go and hide. Because he wasn't, he wasn't looking for anything for himself. Paul writes in Philippians 2, that Jesus didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. The devil did. Jesus didn't. But he, he took on the very nature of a servant, humbling himself. Humbling himself. And so, and, and, and so we can't raise ourselves. Not by our own superiority, not by our own arrogance. You remember that song? And so now let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich because of what the Lord has done. He raises us up. And then um, if you then head back to Ephesians 2, he he goes on to say, um, Paul goes on to say that um, that he, he raises us Verse 6 again, he raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. That, that, that idea of being seated, the theologians say, is that the, the work is finally all finished. I don't know if you've ever had one of those jobs where it just goes on and on. And you just think, oh, I, I want a cup of tea. I need to put my feet up. I need to have a rest, but I won't do it until I've finished all of it. I'll, I'll get it all done, and then I'll rest. I'll make sure the whole thing is finished, and then I'll rest. I've got this, again, going back to this, ri- this running thing that I've got in my head. I'm, I'm, I know what I'm like, how easy I, I give up, how easy I quit. And so I've got these three things in my head. The first is I need to set myself a time to go running. The second thing is that I need to get out of the door because it's so easy not to bother. It's much easier to sit down and see if Midsummer Murders is on. It's much easier to put your feet up and not go running. But to get out of the door is the second part of the battle. The first part is to find a time to do it. The second part is to get out of the door in the right quick kit. The third thing is to get past the first mile. The first mile is the killer. The, 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 the next seven miles aren't too hard, are they? You run a lot, don't you, Dan? The first mile is usually hard because it, you're getting all the knots out of your legs and all those all sorts of things. And, 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 and as I'm running along, I'm constantly thinking, oh, I could just stop here. There's a bench. Oh, I could just stop here. There's, there's, there's a pub. <laughs> any, any, any reason to stop. I find any reason to stop. But I, I determined that, that because I know that I give up too easily sometimes, I determined that if today I'm going to run 10K or 15K and I'm going to do it on this course and there's a hill, and as I'm running towards the hill, I think I might just run round the hill and go along the flat bit, then I feel like I've quit. I've given up. So I try to do what I set out to do. That's just my way of doing it. And I don't rest until I get to the end. That's just my way of coping with that. Jesus 
sits down at the father at the father's right hand, but he doesn't sit down until the job's fully done. And so what Paul is saying here is he seats, sits, seats us with Christ in heavenly places. He seats us in the place where the job is fully done. It's all finished. We don't need a temple anymore. Why did the Jews need a temple? They had an altar. Why did they need an altar? Because they were killing animals as a sacrifice. Why did they kill animals for sacrifice? In order to wash people's sin away. Why did they have a priest to kill the animals to tell people that your sins are forgiven? We don't need any of that anymore. The job is done. Jesus can sit down. We don't need a temple. We don't need an altar. We don't need a priest. We don't need dead animals because Jesus has died on the cross. He has been buried in the ground and he taken sin and death with him and God has raised him to new life and and in that we can have everything we need and God has raised Jesus up so we don't need any longer to strive to be good we don't need any longer to strive to, to try to say please God with our worship we don't any longer need to strive to serve or do any of those things all of those things are response to what is already done because everything he's given us is a free gift and so we need to receive we can sit down with the Father, in the knowledge that everything that needs to be done spiritually is done. And we can enjoy the benefits of it. And if we then choose to be thankful, then we can sing our praise. If we then choose to be generous, then we can give away. If we then choose to be loving, we can, be, we can give that love away. But we can receive because everything that needs to be done is fully done. And we sit at the right hand. It says sit in the right hand in the heavenly realms. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly realms and he has spiritual authority and we are seated with him with spiritual authority. And I find myself unknowingly person brought up going to Westfield, Bridgewater and with all the spiritual benefits that that brought me and going off to um, uh, playing at being a footballer and a rugby player and enjoying sport and I may have mentioned it every now and then that I go running I don't know if I've ever mentioned that before but in all of these things I find myself curiously enough a spiritual man and I don't know quite how that happened except God's done it I can't find that it's come down my family line. I can't find that I got it as a Christmas present. It seemed to happen when I became a Christian. And in Jesus, I suddenly found myself spiritually alive and awake. So Michelle and I were away for a few days this week. And while we were walking through this city center, we saw this little fella, and he was stood by a lamppost like this, muttering to himself. And as we were walking past, I said, I I think he's preaching to the city. And so I went over to, we went over to him and we started and said hello and he, and he, sp- he spoke to us and we said, you're, you're speaking to the city, aren't you? You're praying to the city. And he said, how did you know that? And, 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 and we could feel it spiritually as we walked past him. And so we chatted to him and he said, usually I'm here and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm got, I've got a loud hailer. <laughs> That'll be a clue, but he didn't have his loud, unless he was asthmatic, there'd be a loud inhaler. Hey! So, um, but, but he was... He was speaking and he was praying for the city. And so we had a chat with him and we prayed for him and we blessed him in his work of praying for the city, for those who were lost in the city and those who were sick and homeless in the city. This little fella stood by his his lamppost praying for the city. 
And then we went up to this place, which is a church, but it's got a cafe during the week. And we were sitting there, and Michelle had to go off and do something else, and, uh, and I had to go to the loo to do something else. And then, uh, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. And, 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 um, and as I was walking past where the sort of the front of the church was still set out as church, there was a lady that was sitting there, and she had a Bible open, and she was just sitting on the floor, and she had long hair, and she was... And as I walked past to go, and, and she, I felt that God said... Tell her to think bigger. Really? Okay. So as I'm walking along, uh, I, 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 I buy myself some time. I come back and I, and I say to her, look, this is going to sound really weird. You don't know who I am. You've never met me before. Strange person, strange city, far away. But I think the Lord is saying to you, to what he wants to encourage you and bless you and for you to think bigger. And she said, I've been praying for some encouragement because I've had the most terrible day and I feel that the Lord has sent you specifically to speak to me in my heart. I've been thinking about how we go about doing what we need to do because so much of what we have been doing has been taken away from us and the Lord has spoken. It's amazing. How does that happen? It's because I'm seated in Christ in heavenly realms and God speaks spiritually. Not just because I'm a minister, but because I'm in Christ in heavenly realms. Each of us who follow Jesus, who've been filled with the Holy Spirit, are anointed to do this. To do this. During our Lent thing, our Lent challenges. A couple of days ago, or yesterday, the day before, whenever it was, there was one that said, send emails, to, send messages to encourage people or something, something like that. I can't remember exactly the words. So I prayed a little bit about who I should send it to, and I sent one to a friend of mine who's a minister. And, it, and the words that I got was something like, the Lord says, he, he, in the struggle you've been having, I haven't, I haven't heard from him for about four years. Don't know anything what, what his situation is. But the, uh, the Lord sees your struggle and the difficulty you've been having. And he says, keep on going. Because as you keep going, as you keep going, your momentum will cause those who are trying to pull you to the right and pull you to the left and knock you off course, they'll fall away. And your momentum, you keep going and you keep going and those things fall away. That's what I wrote to him. He sent me an email back and he said, Wow. You have no idea the opposition I've been facing. You have no idea how people who I thought I could trust as well as people who didn't like me have been trying to pull, pull us down. But we get to this new stage in what the Lord is telling us to do. And we've been praying, praying for answers. And your word is a timely word. How does that happen? It happens because, because, because God has raised me from death like he's raised Jesus from death. And he has seated me in heavenly realms. So we are spiritual people. And so when we do spiritual things like pray, when we do spiritual things like fast, when we do spiritual things like give, then God works in us and through us to change the atmosphere and adjust the lives of the people around us. This is what being a Christian is. This is the normal Christian life which so many in churches around and about the country and the world miss out on. But this is the reality. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. There are other, somebody, a pastor I went to visit a few months ago. And I went to visit them. And they were struggling. And I, when I went into their house, there was such a heavy darkness about the place, such a heavy spirit about the place. And so we sat and chatted for a while, had a cup of tea, 
And then just in my own spirit, just started to pray that the Lord would bring light and life into that place. And suddenly felt in myself, this is how I felt. I can't describe it any other way than when I'm trying to move this piano, actually. That's a quite a good illustration. You t- afterwards, you can come and help move this piano. Then you get the idea of what I'm trying to say. And it was like pushing the piano. It's a bit like that. Trying to shift the piano. But there's a spiritual thing that's going on inside me. And, um, and then by the end of the visit... I wasn't sure whether anything had changed, but then a week later, the next time I saw the person, they said, things have improved vastly, much better. Change in the atmosphere, spiritual things. Finally, um, that little story that I started the evening with it from Jonah, if you look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 7 it says in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness who's ever heard God called kind until I read it the other day I'd never noticed it before that word there that he would show his kindness the story of Jonah is fantastic because what it shows is Jonah is a prophet who hears God he's a spiritual man but he is basically unkind (laughs) God wants to, listen to this, verse 1. Where's my glasses gone? Verse 1, it says this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah because he hears what God says. Go to the great city of Nineveh. This wickedness has come before me, but Jonah ran away. God, because it says that he is, um, that he is what does it say in verse, verse 4 there? That you are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. You want to go to Nineveh to save all the lost and the broken and the, and the people who are far away. You wanted me to go there, and that made me really cross. And it's not right that you should rescue people like that. So God being slow to anger, abounding in love, gracious and compassionate, abounding, abounding. Kindness, generosity, loving, compassionate. Jonah, not not so much. It is possible for us to be spiritual people and still not display the fruit of the Spirit. And so Paul wants us to understand all that God has shown us in order that it will be reflected in who we are and how we behave. He wants Jonah to be as kind as he is. He wants Jonah to be as generous as he is, not to run away and get... uh, It is possible, by the way, to fall into the sea and live in the belly of a whale for a few days. Um, There is evidence of it. I've I've seen... um, uh, I've seen the film. What's the film I saw with it in? I wrote it down. It's um, it's the one where the guy the his nose grows. <laughs> Pinocchio, Pinocchio. That is true. Is that a documentary? I thought uh, <laughs> on Discovery Channel. <laughs> I don't know why I said any of that. Anyway, anyway, uh, th- it, it, there is kind of evidence that it's not it's not impossible. And God, but God can do anything, can't He? But the the point of the story is this: that 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 in rebelling against God, He's showing His His unkindness, and He's showing that He has no compassion on people who need God's love and His help. And for some of us, we need to be a more obedient to God because we want to reflect his love to people who need it. Some of us are all about receiving stuff for us. Bless me, Lord. More for me. 
More about me. What about me? Where's mine? Brilliant, Lord, that there's a revival in Argentina. Where's mine? It's lovely, Lord, that you've given that person a promotion. What about me? It's brilliant that that's happening over there. What about me? That kind of sense of it's not fair. Well, God doesn't want that, and he doesn't really work with that, and he doesn't really want to work through that. But uh, he, 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 he comes against that sort of thing. He resists the proud because there's a pride in that, and he embraces the humble. We are unworthy, but he gives us his love anyway. We've been far away, but he's drawn us near anyway. We've been empty, but he fills us when we ask anyway. And this evening, in his great power, because he has overcome the power of sin and the power of death and the power of sickness by his death and resurrection, there is power for us to receive his Holy Spirit, to turn back to him if we need to, and to receive healing and to ask for healing as appropriate. Let's say a prayer together now.